What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? Hello, welcome, welcome. If you are visiting with us, my name is Troy. My wife Darla and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if this is your first time, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. I want to give you just real quick the four things that we're about here at Victory Church. You may have seen them as you walked in. We are about growing, guiding, giving, and going. We want to help people grow to know God, guide and help them to their freedom, give them an opportunity to serve in their purpose, and then go and make a difference. And this month, the next couple of weeks, I'm going to really be highlighting the give value of our church. And there's two avenues where you really do that. Now, giving is not, I don't mean, I mean giving out of your purpose, serving, operating in the way God has created you. And the two vehicles that we do that here at Victory is in our small groups and then in our dream team. And I, I just got to praise our dream team for a second. First of all, if you're in here, there's an incredible dream team watching your kids right now, raising your kids up for the, for the Lord. Come on, you can give a little hand for that right there. We have an incredible dream team that's leading us all the way from the parking lot, all the way into the auditorium. You saw them today. You can go ahead and give them a little hand. Come on, Ray. And then Pastor Brian alluded to it for a second. Our incredible production team, along with special ed, not special ed, special uh, addition, Dallas Bricado. <laughs> he's not, okay, there we go. Uh, he's not on the production team, but he was involved. They did all of this right here, and they did. Isn't that awesome? Come on and give God a hand real quick for that. And then our worship team, it's just incredible. So many areas to serve. But hey, I want to say this real quick. Uh, this, this is what we're most excited about. We are 18 months old as a church. And because of this dream team, over 100 people serve in our dream team. You ready for this? In 18 months, there have been 144 people give their heart to Jesus. Come on. Come on. It's incredible. Incredible. And so over the next few weeks, you're going to hear me highlight different dream teams. And I just want to encourage you. If you're not on a dream team, get go check out Growth Track. Jump on a dream team. We've got a dream team party coming up. We've got a huge series with a fall carnival, all kinds of things coming up that you want to be a part of. So look at your spouse, look at your friend, look at whoever's with you and go, we're going to Growth Track today. All right. We'll watch your kid. We'll get you on the team. You don't want to miss it. Amen. Hey, y'all ready for the word? Hey, if you got your Bibles, open up to the book of Genesis chapter 37. So Genesis is the first book in your Bible. And if you'll jump to chapter 37, that's where we're going to start. And as Pastor Brian said, we are beginning a new series today called Dream Again. And as you start to read in chapter 37, you're going to be introduced to a guy by the name of Joseph. <clears throat> Joseph was the son of Jacob and Rachel. He had what they believe to be as at this point, 12 siblings, 11 brothers and one sister that we know of. And the reason why we're interested in Joseph today is because Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph actually becomes relevant in the Bible once he has a dream. And so I believe in dreams and I believe God puts a dream in every one of our hearts. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I thought it would be very fitting for us to not only be introduced to Joseph, but to follow along with Joseph's life and to see how the process of his life impacts the process of ours as we learn to dream Again, you ready? Genesis chapter 37. We're going to start with verse 5. We're just going to read a couple of verses that will really be the verse uh, that sets up the sermon for us. Um, verses 1 through 4 really just explain that he was the favorite son and that there was a lot of favoritism for him, which we'll talk a little bit about as, through the rest of the message. But these are the verses that are going to really set up the sermon. So here we go. <clears throat> verse 5 through 7. Joseph had a dream. Everybody say dream. Dream. Joseph had a dream, and then he told it to his brothers. <laughs> that was kind of a mistake for him. But So he has this dream, and then he speaks it, 
And watch this. They hated him all the more. So Joseph has a dream. He speaks the dream. And then according to this verse, here's what that tells us, that his brothers already hated him. But now because of the dream, they hate him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. And now he's about to explain his dream. So watch what he says. He says, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. We don't really do this today, but you can imagine gathering sheaves of grain and binding them together. And he says, when suddenly my sheave of grain, it rose up and stood tall. And then all of your sheaves, they begin to gather around mine and bow down to it. So you can imagine that if you can picture in your head, you've got Joseph's sheave of grain standing and then all of theirs surrounding it and kind of bowing down to it and, and somewhat worshiping it. Joseph said, this is my dream. This is what it was. He speaks it to them and the Bible says they hated him even more for it. I believe that every one of us have a dream. Every one of us. I believe there's a dream that God put in our heart. Now, I'm not talking about the dream you had where the 10-foot spider chased you down the hallway through the warehouse and you were running screaming. I'm not talking about that kind of dream. I'm not talking about the dream mom and daddy had for you to be a ballerina or a doctor. I'm not talking about that kind of dream, okay? When, when I talk about a dream, here's the dream I mean in this context. It is the seed of possibility that's planted in your soul, which then calls out of you or calls you to pursue a unique path that leads you to the realization of your purpose. So when I say dream, that's the kind of dream I'm speaking about over the next few weeks. I, I've never met a person who didn't have a dream. N never once have, have I met someone who didn't have a, They may have forgotten the dream. They may have given up on the dream. Or they may not fully be able to understand how to articulate the dream. But it's there. The dream has been in you since you were created. God put it in you, and it's who you are, and it's our job to discover it. It's there, and that's what we're going to do. Over the next few weeks, we're going to discover that dream, and we're going to begin to dream again. But before we do that, we got to start with this way. I believe there are three very important parts of our dream that we have to fully understand before we can move forward, okay? And here's what they are. Number one is this, and that's the provider of our dream. It's important that you and I establish who is the provider of our dream. Genesis 37.5 started with four words. Joseph had a dream. And in those four words, watch this, we get the subject, we get the uh, plot, we get the character, and we get the conflict of this entire story in those four, four words. We get Joseph and we get his dream. Joseph and his dream. There, there's the conflict, causes his brothers to hate him more. There's the character, there's the subject, there's the plot. Joseph and his dream. But listen to me. Joseph, while he did have the dream, this wasn't Joseph's dream. Joseph did physically have it, but it wasn't Joseph's dream. We don't read a story or a moment where Reuben and Joseph are kind of hanging out in the field, right? And, and Reuben goes, hey, Joe, uh, what do you want to do with your life? And Joseph goes, well, I've always dreamed about, you know, being a firefighter. And isn't it? And there's, there's no moment where like where Reuben is seeking out what Joseph wants to do with his life. And that's kind of how we tend to discover our dream is somebody goes, hey, what do you want to do? What's your dream? And that's how we know this isn't Joseph's dream because Joseph didn't ask for this dream. This, this dream just happened. It, it was God given to him. And the very first thing you and I have to be able to understand is when it comes to the dream that you and I are pursuing, who gave it to us? Is it our dream or is it God's dream? And how we can kind of tell that apart. I believe 
in dreams. I dreamed about you. But it wasn't my dream. It was God's dream. And here's how I know this. Because I had never heard of Smyrna. I had never met any of you. And so how can I dream about something if it's going to be my... Here's how I knew it wasn't my dream. is because it wasn't easy, right? It didn't come with a full paycheck and complacency and comfort because my dream would have had all those things. You know what I'm talking about? And a boat and a mansion. That would have been my dream. And so that's how I know it wasn't my dream because, again, I, I didn't know anything. I, I don't, it wasn't about what I wanted. I went to a place I'd never been with people that I had never met. Here's how I knew it was God's dream and not my dream. Because my parents thought I was absolutely crazy. When Darla and I went to them and said, hey, here's the deal. We're, we're going to quit our jobs and we're going to sell our house and we're going to take our kids and we're going to move about three and a half hours away to a place we've never been to. We can't even fully pronounce it yet. And we don't know anybody there. And we're going to start a church and we're not sure that anybody's going to actually want to come. And, and we're just, you know, they were like, this is crazy. And it was such a revelational moment for me because to them, it was, it just didn't make any sense, right? Hear me. The best way for you and I to know if our dream is God-given is it will not make sense to you or those around you. When God put a dream in Moses' heart to free God's people, Moses came to God and said, this doesn't make sense. I can't even speak right. And then when, when God put a, a dream in Abraham's heart to be able to have all these kids, and then he took Abraham outside and showed him the stars and said, you're going to have as many kids as there are stars. And he was 75 years old. So it didn't make any sense to him. Because when you have a God-given dream, it doesn't make sense. It, it will never make sense. It, it's funny because... I, I think this is kind of the frustration with our culture today. Put it like this. The, a God-given dream becomes clear the closer we get to God. So if your dream is God-given, the, the, more, the closer you get in proximity to God, the more focus that begins to come clear on your dream. And watch this. Therefore, the more further away you are from God, the more frustrated you become over your dream. Right? Because here's what's happening in our culture today. Our culture is saying this. Hey, you need to follow your dream. You need to follow. What do you want to do? You need to follow your dream. Right? As kids, what do you want? You want to be a superhero? You want to be a baker, candlestick maker? What do you want to be? Like, go and follow your dream. And then we graduate high school, and it's like, what do you want to do with your life? And then we're like, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it until you handed me the diploma. And now I've got to figure out what my dream is. And now I'm all frustrated. I've shared with the church a lot of times that when I, was gradu- when I graduated high school, people started pushing me, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? And I was so frustrated because I didn't know. And so I kept job hopping. And I've told y'all about how I was at Chick-fil-A for a couple months, and I made coleslaw ice cream. That was a fun one. And then uh, I-, I was at the movie theater for about 10 minutes before I quit that job. And I was talking to Darla about it, and I remembered this one I had totally forgotten about. I, we- I got a job at FedEx in Memphis, Tennessee. And y'all know FedEx is a big deal in Memphis, Tennessee. And for an entire week, they trained me. They- I sat in front of a computer, and they paid me and I had to do all these lifting tests and all that. And the first day that I worked, I got in my car and you drive to this massive parking lot and you get on like the shuttle and the shuttle shuttles you to the building and you get out and then you go into the factory and so on and so on. And I was just frustrated. I was miserable. I didn't want to do this at all. It's not how I wanted to spend my life. And so I go there and I park and I get in the shuttle 
The whole time the shuttle's driving me, I'm like, this is miserable. I don't want to do this. And so the shuttle pulls up, and we get out, and we walk into the factory area. And they go, all right, we're going to split you up in two groups. Group A over here, group B over here. And I get put in group B, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'm miserable. I'm frustrated. And they go, all right, group A, this is your supervisor. And they send group A with their supervisor. We had been in the factory for less than five minutes. And they said, all right, group B, your supervisor is not here yet, so you're going to sit on all these benches right here. He'll be here in about 10 minutes, and then he'll take you. That was the worst mistake they could have ever made for me. And so I sat down on the bench, and about 30 seconds later, I said, there's no way I'm doing this. So I got up and got back on the shuttle and drove the shuttle back to my uh, car. I got in my car, and I never went back to FedEx ever again, all right? So I worked at FedEx for less than five minutes. They put a week of training into me for less than five minutes. So somewhere, the dude that runs FedEx is really angry at me. And so I was just frustrated. I I was just constantly, have you ever been there? You ever just been frustrated with where you are in life? Frustrated with what you're doing because at some point we tried to follow our dream. But it's never about our dream. It's about God's dream for us. And when we try to follow our dream, we're going to end up in frustration because often our dream so much about us that it makes us move away from God. When in reality, if we will move towards God, the dream that God's put in our heart will start to become more clear. Let me show you what it says in Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. It says, if you will delight yourself In the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. So look at this. The more I choose to serve God, the more I choose to worship God, the more I choose to delight myself in God, the more the desire of my heart becomes clear. The more that God purifies. Can I tell you something? The desires you have right now are God-given. But the closer you get to God, God purifies the desires of your heart, and it begins to become clear the dream that God has put inside of you and why he's created you. So the closer you get to God, the more clear that becomes. If you've ever wondered, what, what, what is the dream? What, what's, what dream has God put in my heart? The only way you can really realize that is to get closer to God, and then it becomes more clear. And the more we study Joseph, listen to me, we're going to find this out, that Joseph didn't follow his dream. We've always been told, follow your dream, follow your dream, follow your dream. The more we read about Joseph, Joseph didn't follow his dream. Joseph followed God and his dream followed him. You watch all throughout this. Joseph does whatever God leads and there his dream follows him. And this whole series is not about us walking in here and going, what's my dream? God, would you get on board with my dream? Because God never committed to bring your dream to completion. He committed to bring his. But he put his in your heart. And so the more we follow God, the more our dream will then follow us. So from the very beginning, who is the provider of our dream? Is it a God-given dream or is it a Troy-given dream? Once you establish the provider of the dream, watch this, then you start to realize the purpose of the dream. I want to show you verse 8. I thought this was really interesting. It says, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of the dream and what he had said. Here's what his brothers are saying. What is the intention of this dream? What's the purpose of this dream? Why? Are you having this dream? What's the goal of this dream? We have to discover what the purpose of our dream is. Okay, so listen, the purpose of the dream will always support the provider of the dream. If the purpose is selfish, it's only going to support us. If the purpose is God-driven, then it's always going to support God. 
If our dream is selfish and self-giving, then again, that's a dream whose purpose is us. And I want to help us this morning just quickly. I want to give us, I'm sure there's more, but I want to give you three purposes that I believe God gives us dreams. And I, I just think they're huge. Uh, again, there's probably many more uh, to, to lead us to sacrifice and different things, but I want to give you three that I think are so important. And the first one is this, revelation. God gives us dreams so that we can have revelation. And that, here's what revelation is, in case that's a big word or, or you've heard it misused before. Revelation just means God revealing things to us, okay? All right, that's all that means, okay? So watch this. Joseph would have never been able to, to think up what's about to happen to him. Joseph is going to end up being the prime minister of Egypt, and he's going to single-handedly save his family's life. Joseph can't think that kind of stuff up. You know what I mean? Like, like they're, they're, he can't just be hanging out playing checkers one day going, I wonder what God wants to do in my life and then think of it on that level. There's a reason why we have like a lid of our thinking and then God's lid is above ours. Can I tell you something? The dream that God has for your life, you will never be able to think it up. You won't be able to just be sitting on the couch one day going through Netflix going, hey, I wonder why God created me, and then be able to think it because the thinking and the reason God created you is going to be above your thinking. Let me prove it to you. Isaiah 55 verse 9, for my ways, talking about God, God's ways are higher than your ways, and his thoughts are higher than your Okay, so again, let's, let's play this out. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So here's your thoughts right here. This is the lid of your thoughts. If you thought the craziest thing right now, why did God create me? What's God doing in my life? Think about it. Think about the craziest thing you can think about. I'm going to be a superhero, whatever, whatever the craziest thing you can think about. This, there's a lid for that, and they're saying your, your thoughts are here, and then God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So you can't think what God is thinking about you. So watch this. In order for you to be able to think up what God wants to do in your life, you have to get outside of your own mind. Remember when people go, when you tell them a dream, you ever heard somebody go, man, you're out of your mind. You better believe I'm out of my mind because my mind is limited. And so God gives us dreams. You ever had a dream and you woke up and went, I, eh, I don't even, it didn't even make sense. Like I was running and there was floors and then there was water and then there was like animals and I was stepping on fish. Y'all ever had that kind of thing, right? Like the dreams are so beyond your, your practical thinking because the dreams that God puts in your heart, watch this, is all about lining up your thoughts with his. So the reason why God gives you a dream is because the, what God wants to do in your life, you can't personally think up. So God gives you a dream to pull you outside of your mind and to be able to think beyond your thinking and to be able to raise your thinking up to his level so that you can begin to grasp and understand fully what God wants to do in you and through you. We will limit what God wants to do by what our parents have told us. We'll limit what God wants to do by our financial background or by our race or by our, uh, our gender or whatever the process is. We'll try to limit God's dream for our life. And God says, listen, my ways are above your ways and my thoughts are above your thoughts. If you will dream with me, I can, I can kind of give you a picture of what I'm wanting to do with your life. That's the first reason he gives you a dream. Second reason is this is to build your faith because dreams build faith. 
Joseph would have never understood that he was going to go all through, he went through into prison, all this kind of stuff. He was going to need a lot of faith. Let me tell you something. If you start dreaming with me today, be prepared. You are going to need a lot of faith. And here's why. Because often dreams come in the form of duties. We see a dream, it feels more like a duty. And the more we have to do, the less it feels like a dream. But the more you do it, the closer you get to the dream, right? It was interesting to me, Hebrews eleven six 6 said this, that without faith, it's impossible for us to please God. And I started thinking about this because I feel like our faith is a little bit more roller coaster wise. And I, I, let me give you the best illustration I can give you. Y'all remember Duck Hunt? Y'all remember playing Duck Hunt? Anybody in here? Dunk? We're, we're figuring out age right now, real quick. All right. Uh, that was a game. It was a video game. All right. It was the Fortnite of my generation. Okay. In case you're wondering, uh, didn't have any dances, but you could hold a little toy gun and do the kill shot to the side or whatever. Um, and, and so, so it was, so you, here's what happened in case those of you that, you know, you're, you're, I'm 34 and I remember Duck Hunt. So I don't know if anybody in their twenties remember Duck Hunt, but I'm going to explain it to you. So you're looking at a screen, little, little, little bushes, and you got the little toy gun and you can't go no because it's not wireless because we're not in the, the, the 2000s. And so, you know, it's hooked up to the little thing. And, and then here's what would happen. You'd be sitting there looking at the screen, a little dog would pop up, and, and all of a sudden you'd be like, and a little bird comes, and you shoot the bird. And if you're good, you shoot it, and it falls down. And then you wait a minute. And then over here comes a little bird, and then you shoot it, and it goes down. And you wait a minute. And it's all, you know, it's all misdirection. You don't know where the bird's coming from. And it's like, boom, from the center, comes up. And then, everybody, okay? Y'all, do I need to show you? You clear on duck hunt? Okay. Watch this. Our faith is more like a duck hunt process. Here's what I mean. Something comes up and we have faith, right? Someone gets sick, we have faith. That situation's over and now we, we don't have faith for a while. And then something else comes up, right? Now, now, now I lost my job and I got to have faith and I have faith for that situation. And that situation ends and, and, and now I don't have faith for a while. And then something else comes up and it's just, we have faith as things come up. But the Bible is saying that without faith, it's impossible for us to please God. So these processes of faith where it's just here and there, here and there, doesn't work. And so I'm thinking and processing this through, and I felt the Lord tell me this. Faith is more like Mario, okay? So Duck Hunt, you just kind of got it going, going, boom. Mario, it's the whole thing, right? The whole thing. Y'all seen that video on Facebook right now where all the little red bars are going and Mario's trying to duck and dive? It's all about faith. But here's the, watch this. Here's the best part. He said, faith is like Mario because you're going through the process. But he said, your dream is the princess. I was like, wait a minute. What does that mean? I, I got my princess. What you talking about? I don't need another, you know? And so what does that mean? And here's what he reminded me of. And y'all, if y'all remember this, it's going to make you so angry. Is you would get through the level, the board, and you get to the princess. And you'd be like, I won. And she'd be like, yeah. And then something would happen. And like she'd jump off the castle and run away. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you'd be like, I did it. And she'd be like, oh, boop. Do, 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 do. And she's gone. And sometimes she'd be disguised as the bad guys and all kinds of stuff. Here's what, I, here's what the deal. Your dream is put in place, right, to be able to keep you in constant faith. And in constant faith, you're pursuing that dream. And you get to level you. You, you, you conquer level one and you get that dream and then the dream escapes you and it goes on to the next level and now the dream's bigger and it's different so that you can go through that level and just when you think oh I got it she escapes you again because you got another level God wants us to constantly go from level to level to level to level of faith and your dream is what does it 
The dream is at the center of the target, and it's where you focus your faith. How can I have faith every day? People aren't sick every day. I'm not losing my job every day. How do I have faith every day? It's the dream. The dream that God's put in your heart. It doesn't come and go. You don't have waiting periods. If you wait on Mario, you're dead. Or at least you're do 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 You know what I mean? You're going small. Like there's a process. You're moving through it. You get the princess. You got the princess. And then she escapes you. Here's what I love about God, is in this series, God's going to give you a dream if you don't already have it, and you're going to do all this to pursue it and grab it, and you're going to get it, and then you're going to find out that wasn't the full dream. You're going to find out that God was just moving you and continuing to move you by parts of the dream. So God gives you a dream, first of all, for revelation, because he wants you to think outside of your mind. He wants you to understand he created you more for what you think you were created for. Secondly, he gives it for you to build your faith and to keep you believing for something while you're here. And then thirdly, he gives it for others. He gives you a dream for other people. See, Joseph's dream wasn't about him. And I'm about to give you some, some, some mind-boggling information. You ready? Your dream isn't about you. And it's not for you. I'm learning the more the victory grows that victory wasn't about me. It was for me. God's done great things in my life, but it was for other people. And when I, when I read the story of Joseph, for, for, for especially in Genesis chapter 37, I, I found an area where I think Joseph made a mistake. So let me explain to you. When Joseph was favored as the best son, the Bible says that his dad gave him a coat. Have y'all heard this story? In that time, everybody got coats, all right? It was just the common thing to do. Everybody had a coat. But Joseph was his father's favorite. So Joseph got what the Bible calls a multicolored coat, all right? So he got a coat of many colors. And so I was trying to picture that, and I was telling Darla, I'm like, babe, I need to be, you know, we're gonna have, I can't come out here with like a robe on. Like we need to have a relevant coat of many colors. And so we got together and we designed a relevant coat of many colors <laughs> so that you guys could get a picture Looked like I came straight out of Route 21. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, so this would have been, if, jo- if the story of Joseph was in 2019, this is what Joseph would have looked like. He had, he had a coat of many colors, okay? So, so everybody, thank you. you know, I sell it $200 right now. Okay, um, th- this was done by Dolce and Gabbana and Veda and Casey is what that was. And so he has this coat of many colors. Now, again, everybody's got a coat, but he stood out. His coat was special. His coat spoke favoritism because he was the favorite son, all right? So now watch this. Here's the catch that we don't often think about. Joseph gets this dream where his sheaves of grain are going to stand up tall and their sheaves of grain are going to surround and worship him. The mistake I think he made is he spoke his dream while wearing his coat. And so when he said his dream, he was already standing in a position of favoritism. He was already standing in a position that talked about, I'm better than you. And so now I'm going to get up and speak a dream that I'm saying my dream is about me being better than you. And that was never what the dream was about. But because he was standing there in his coat when he spoke it, it, the, the brothers couldn't help but filter the dream through what they were seeing. And they started to believe that Joseph's dream was about his status. 
And understand something, your dream is never about your status. And I think the reason God gave him a dream to begin with was so that Joseph would be influenced to remove the coat altogether, not to speak the dream while wearing it. I think God gives us dreams not so that we can stand up with status and speak it to people that we believe we're better than. I think God gives us a dream so that we'll remove the coat altogether and be able to find that our dream is not about us. Our dream is about other people. Here's what I think ultimately, the ultimate purpose God gives you and I a dream, you ready? Is so that we can take off the coat and that our dream, watch this, it can be, our, our dream can die. Our dream can die to being a success and our dream can come alive to being a blessing. That's what I think the whole purpose of a dream is, is for you and I to die about being a success. Me, me, me. And that our dream will come alive to being a blessing. Others, others, others. I wanted to share you guys this verse that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I don't know that you've ever read it or you've ever really considered what it says, but you find it, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Watch this. For we are laborers together with God. We are co-laborers together with God. I don't, I don't know as you've been raised, I don't know the picture that you've had of who God is and, and what your role and responsibility is with God. But according to this verse, you are a co-laborer with God. God is not wanting to do this uh, for you. God's not wanting to do this as you watch. God's not wanting to do this in spite of you. God is wanting to do this with you. When, when, when my dad, when I was young, my dad worked in construction and he would often take me to work with him. And it was pretty funny because, I mean, I was six, seven, eight, nine years old, so there wasn't much I could do in the construction uh, arena, but I would get in the truck with him and he drives me to work and we get off. And here's what's so cool about it is that my dad would get out of the truck and he's already got a plan. He, he's got a complete plan about what he's going to do. Now his thoughts, listen to me, are above my thoughts. I'm eight years old. I don't even know how to swing a hammer. So my ability to understand construction is not there, but my dad's thinking is above my thinking, but he took me with him. And so I got to the job site and he would get me out and we'd go in and he had this entire plan of what he was going to do. He knew inside of his mind how he was going to reconstruct and, and renovate the house and all this. And here's what my dad was so good to do is he always gave me a role in the process. He'd always say, hey, come here for a second. Hey, take this sander and just sand this spot right here. And one of my favorite jobs is he, if he ever had to remove wallpaper, I had to shoot it with the water bottle. You know what I'm talking about? Had to get the wallpaper all wet so he could scrape it off. And I'd be in there just artistic, like, woo! You know, because I had a role. I had something to do. And what this verse tells me, listen, man, if, there's any, if you didn't get anything out of this message, please get this. What this verse tells me is that God has a plan for his kingdom. God has a plan that's above your thinking, right, for his kingdom. And check this out. The dream that he put in your heart is the role you play. He's got a plan. All this thing's figured out. Worlds being changed, communities being changed, people being saved, people being helped. He's got a whole plan. And according to that Bible verse, you are a co-laborer, a co-worker with God, which means God takes you along with him, not so that you can watch not so that you can be bored, but so that you can have a part to play. And in order for you to know what that role is, God puts a dream in your heart, and that's the role you play. God had a role for Joseph. Joseph didn't know the role until God gave him a dream. 
I'd break into my rock right now if I had you. You better know your role. You know, you can't know your role until God gives you the dream. And the dream links to your role. So you learn the provider of your dream, which leads to the purpose of your dream. And then the only thing left, watch this, is the projection of your dream. This whole thing in verse 9 started, why? Because Joseph told his brothers. He, he, he said it. He spoke it. God has put a dream in your heart. Some of you, you've known about it before you even walked in here. Some of you, as we've been talking, it's coming back to your mind. Some of you, you're not going to figure it out to this week. But God's put a dream in your heart, and that's the role he wants you to play in fulfilling his plan that he wants to happen in this world. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. You got your journals? Everybody got your journals? I want to show you four questions real quick. And depending on your writing ability, you're either going to write them down right now or you're going to take a screenshot of them or something and so that you can have them and you're going to answer them throughout this week. So go ahead and throw them up there for me. First question is this, what dream did God put in your heart? What dream did God put in your heart? Pretty simple question, but you need some time praying for it. What dream did God put in your heart? That's got to be the first question you answer this week. What is the dream that God put in my heart? The next question you'll ask after that is, what does that dream require of God? What does that dream require of God? This, just so you know, and you might want to make a note of this, this is going to be the impossible part of your dream. That's what requires God. Your next question is, what does it require of me? What does my dream require of me? This is the possible part of the dream. And then the third question is, what does it require of others? This is the probable part of your dream. Next week, I'm going to walk us through dream killers, things that kill our dreams. And I'm going to answer all of those questions for you from my journal so that you can see what God's doing in my heart, in my dream. But I want to ask you as your pastor, just do me a favor. Over this week, pray over those questions. Answer those questions. What dream did God put in your heart? What part of that dream requires God? What, what part of that dream is the impossible part? What part of that dream requires you, which is the possible part? And what part of that dream requires the people that are sitting in this room with you, your family, your friends? That is the probable part. Can you do that for me this week? I don't know that we've ever had a sermon series where I've made you leave with homework. But this is a different sermon series, church. We spent two months just breaking down what the Bible says. Now I believe God's taken us somewhere and he wants us to really pay attention to it. Joseph was always my favorite person in the Bible, and here's why. There's a verse, and I didn't put it on the screen for you, I'm sorry, but it's in chapter 37. Where he's going, Joseph's going to meet up with his brothers, and he's already cast his vision of his dream to them, and they already hate him and all this. And the Bible says he's going to catch him. And the Bible says that one of his brothers sees him and says, listen to me, here comes that dreamer. And I've always wanted that to be said of me. That when people see me, they go, man, here comes that dreamer. And here's why. Of all the reasons, here's the biggest reason. Because I believe in all of my heart 
that the plans God has for me and my life and my family's life are above my ways and above my thinking. And the only way that I can ever align where I'm going with where God wants me to be is I've got a dream. And so it's my prayer and I'm going to pray that when you leave out of this place today and when you wake up tomorrow morning, I pray that every demon in hell says, here comes that dreamer. You ready to dream? I really believe you are and it excites me. As we follow the life of Joseph over the next few weeks, listen, if you're visiting with us, I know some might be out of town. I don't know if y'all know this, but Nick and Leona got married yesterday. Yes! Some people might be from out of town, but you're visiting with us. Do this journey with us. Because as we study the life of Joseph, we're going to go through some incredible things. I'm going to talk to you about dream killers, what's going to try to kill your dream. I'm going to talk to you about how God's going to ask you for what is precious from you. And then when this thing ends, I'm going to show you that the dream, what it really is, and all of it is revealed to us through the life of Joseph. It's the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen. God gave it to me months ago, and I can't wait to take you through it. But you got to be excited to go through it, and you got to be ready. Because I believe God put a dream in your heart. I believe it's already there. I believe it's who you are. We just got to discover it. Amen? Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your word. I still believe that you speak through dreams. I still believe that's the language of God. And as you spoke to Joseph and Abraham and Moses and so many people in the Bible, you spoke to them through dreams, things that you wanted them to do that would fulfill your plan and your purpose. God, that hasn't changed today. There's desires in every person in here's heart. And those desires once purify they begin to reveal the dream, God, that you've given us. And so I pray over every woman, over every man, over every student. I pray over every married couple, dating couple, every family, every parent. God, you've given them a dream. And here's the best part about that dream is it's not even for them. It's for other people. And so, God, as we discover that dream, we begin to find our role in what you're doing and we begin to impact people's lives. So I pray over us right now that over this week, those that already know it, God, they can't write it down quick enough. And those who are trying to figure out what it is, I pray they'd hear your voice this week. I pray it'd be so clear to them what your dream is, what the dream you've given them is, and the role you play and the role they play and the role other people play. Lord, bring us back in here next Sunday. And when we walk in here, let, let the atmosphere scream. Here comes those dreamers. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for our dreams. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...